Welcome to Destiny Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Eric Smith. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit destinydayton.com. Get ready, get ready. Here we go. Judges chapter 6. This is a, we're talking about Gideon today, right? I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to highlight some parts of the story because this takes two chapters. It's chapter 6 and 7. And so rather than read all of it, I'll let you do that at home later if you'd like to. But I want to highlight certain parts of this story because there's lots of stuff that we could dive into here about Gideon, all right? And I, I just feel like the Lord has highlighted some important things here uh, for us today. So look at Judges chapter 6, verse 1. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord turned them over to Midian for seven years. Does everyone see that? Because of, and, they over, and the Bible says the Midianites overwhelmed Israel. Because of Midian, the Israelites made shelters for themselves in the hills, as well as caves and strongholds. And whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites, the Amalekites, and the people from the east would attack them. They invaded the land. They devoured its crops all the way to Gaza. Nothing much has changed in thousands of years, has it? Israel has always been hated, has always been under attack, has always been the flashpoint on our planet. They left nothing for the Israelites to eat. Verse 4. They took away the sheep, the ox, and the donkey. Verse 5. When they invaded with their cattle and tents, they were as thick as locusts, neither nor... Uh, neither they nor the camels could be counted. They had a large army, in other words. They came to devour the land. And Israel was so severely weakened by Midian that the Israelites cried out. The Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. I want to tell you, as I've studied this this week and, and pondered on this passage, I feel like in some respects we are looking at, at a big general picture of the American church. Not everywhere. There's there's different places, different right. There, there there's different things going on. Some churches are in revival, which is awesome, which is what we want, which is what's the goal to live in revival. And, and then some are very much dead. They've lost the power. They've lost the fire, and they're trying to maintain status quo. And they wonder why they haven't seen a move of God. And they wonder why they haven't seen a miracle. And you can't sing the songs that you, we sung today in all, every church because they'd sit there and say, "Well, I don't even believe metal planks disappear." See, and, and, and it illustrates the problem with American church, or, or just in, in general churches, when religion takes hold and tries to maintain the status quo, it takes the app apostolic voice to rise up because the apostles governing right the government and the apostle rise up and says wait a second something is wrong here something is wrong but the problem is the church many times has eliminated the prophetic voice and kicked the prophet out so the apostle goes and has to find the prophetic voice the bible says here that the israel cried out and then look what the lord did for them verse 7 when the israel's israelites cried out to the lord for help because of Midian, he sent what a prophet I want to tell you something. We need the prophet in America today. We need prophetic voices. I want to tell you, there is a lot of preaching that is prophetic. There is preaching that is not prophetic. But I want to tell you, not all prophets look the same. But I want to tell you, if you want to find the most hated teacher or preacher in America, he or she is probably the person who's preaching the truth today. 
The one who's telling people the truth is the one people will hate. It's the one that people don't want to hear. And it's odd because Israelite Israel was like, hey, we're under all this oppression. The Midianites are taking our food. They're taking our land. God, help us. But what they didn't know and what we're about to see, we'll see how much they really wanted God's help, won't we? Watch this. We'll see. God said, you want help? Here comes your prophet. You're not going to like him. I'll tell you in advance, you're going to probably hate him. In fact, let me go ahead and tell you, you're going to try to, some of you are going to try to kill him. Sound familiar? They cried out. And the Lord sent them a prophet. And this is what the Lord, this is important to see this. And this isn't even the sermon, right? I'm just setting this all up, right? If you're, you're thinking about getting out here one hour, I'm sorry. I think we disappointed some people already. This is not a one-hour church either. So if you came for a 60-minute service, you're in the wrong place. <sighs> there, I feel better. This is what the Lord God of Israel said. Verse 8. I brought you out of Egypt. I took you out of your slavery. I rescued from Egypt's power and from the power of all who oppressed you. I drove them out before you. I gave you their land and everything that you have. Verse 10, I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in the lands you're now living, but you have disobeyed me. Verse 11, And the Lord's angelic messenger came down and sat under the oak tree in Oprah, owned by Joash the Abizarite. And when he arrived, Joash's son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press so he could hide it from the Midianites. And the Lord's messenger appeared to him and say and said this, the Lord is with you, you courageous warrior. And Gideon said, huh? Uh, pardon me? And this is what he asked. But if the Lord is with us, why has such disaster overtaken us? Where are all the miraculous deeds our ancestors told us about? I believe one of the signs that you know you need revival is when you start asking, is God really here? You've drifted so far. The church in some cases, not every case, in some cases drifted so far away. Miracles are unheard of. And they begin to ask, is God really real? And here's the question we all have. If God is real, why does he allow suffering? This is very much Gideon's question. It shows you where Gideon was, right? And you look at, you look at all of this and it's like, well, God, couldn't you pick somebody better than Gideon? See, and that gives people like me hope. <laughs> God says, no, exactly. It's, it's the people who think they're nothing, right? It's the, we're, we're going to take those guys. So he says, no, 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 you're the mighty man. So Gideon asked this question. And now the Lord, and he added, then the, the Lord's abandoned us, and he's handed us over to Midian. And then the Lord himself turned and said to him, Gideon, you have the strength. Notice he didn't answer his question. Notice he didn't say, well, let me give you a good reason why I allow suffering on the earth today. Because the reality is he just gave that reason. Why is there suffering? Because we've allowed sin to continue. That's why. 
has nothing to do with God, has nothing to do with God's existence. That's a straw man argument. Well, if there's people suffering in Africa or in Asia or in, in South America, then God can't be real. That, that's a straw man, right? And the straw man didn't even show up to this argument, but he's getting blamed for this. But the angel skipped over that with Gideon. And the angel said, you have the strength. Verse 14, deliver Israel from the power of the Midianites. Have I not sent you, Gideon? And Gideon said to him, but Lord, how can I deliver Israel? Israel, just look at me. (laughs) Just look at me, right? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I am the youngest in my family. Let me translate that to you who are not the youngest in your family. No one listens to you because when you're the youngest, no one pays attention to you. Even when you turn 55, they say, you're still the youngest. We don't listen to you. There you go. Translated it. I'm the youngest in my family. And the Lord said to him, ah, but this is a common theme here. Get ready. I will be with you. You will strike down the whole Midianite army. And then Gideon, you know, like, well, you know, I, I need a sign. We're well aware of the fleece. And he goes and he makes a dinner. And he goes, well, let me make you a dinner. And so the Lord's like, I'll hang out here and you bring me the dinner. So it's like he goes skins ago. Can you imagine how long this would take? Like a really patient angel, like leaning up a tree. You know, he's, all right. So Gideon brings him. I'm just condensing the next several verses, right? He brings them this dinner. The Bible says he takes, the angel takes his staff and touches it. And it goes, It goes up to the Lord as an offering. And Gideon was like, whoa, I have seen the Lord's messenger face to face. And the Lord said to him, it's okay, you're safe. Do not be afraid, you're not going to die. And it was there Gideon built an altar for the Lord. And he named it, I love this, the Lord is on friendly terms with me. If you have King James, it may say Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is our peace. The Lord has made peace. The Lord is on friendly terms with me. And to this day, it is still there. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the power of your word. And I pray, God, as we dive into your word, Lord, that you will speak to our hearts. In fact, lay your hand on your heart right now and say, Lord Jesus, speak to my heart. Come on, that's only about 35% of us. A little louder. Lord, speak to my heart. Change my life. I want to impact the world I live in. And I'm going to do it through your power and your might in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated now You can keep your Bible open on your lap. We're going to refer to this, this passage here a couple times as we go this morning. Let me just kind of give a recap of where we've been. I've been talking about rarefied faith the past three weeks. Now make this the fourth week. The first week was the apostle Peter, how he got out of the boat and walked on water. We talked about faith to do the things that are impossible or that other people think you're stupid for trying. Second week, we talked about David faith to defeat your greatest enemies. We talked about David feeding, uh, defeating Goliath. Last week we talked about Paul and Silas, which is faith to endure when things get tough, when things go south, when things turn left, when your life didn't turn out the way you planned, but yet you're still going strong for God. It takes great faith to do that. Today, I want to talk to you about Gideon, and I want to talk to you about faith to triumph in a backslidden culture when I don't even feel worthy myself to do it. How's that for a mouthful? This is a story of Gideon. That's why the phrase, the Lord is with you, 
you is one of the strong themes in this story. Verse 13, as I mentioned, is so important. He asks, if the Lord is with us, then why have all these terrible things happened? This is a, a, an interesting part that I just talked about a moment ago. And I want you to remember this because this is important in our lives today. If there is a lack of activity of the Holy Spirit in our body, in our personal lives, we need to probably examine our own selves first. That is a great place to start. And I want to tell you, the angel spoke to him plainly and said, I am with you. You have the strength. Deliver Israel from the power of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? I want to tell you, this is something that will encourage you. You can feel like you're worthless. You can feel like you're down and out. You can feel like you're not the greatest whatever, or not the most gifted whatever. But I want to tell you, if God has called you, and if you said yes to Jesus and given him your life, guess what? He's called you. He's called you. A minute ago, I asked for people who felt like they had a full-time call to ministry. But if I'd have said, if you have a call to ministry, 100% of us should have stood up or you didn't understand your salvation. When you get saved, you're not just checking a box. You're not just getting the, the magical golden ticket to heaven. You are becoming part of an army of God. You're becoming a part of a kingdom that is advancing. And the Bible has called us to advance the kingdom of God. If you've gotten saved, it's not about going to heaven. It's about your mission that God has given you here. Heaven is my destination. Did you know that? I didn't get saved so I can go to heaven. That's a nice, that's a nice reward at the end. But I got saved and I'm serving Jesus so I can advance the kingdom of God here on earth. We can confront darkness. We can destroy the demonic. We can set people free. That is why we're serving Jesus Christ. We need to evaluate why we're coming to Christ and why we're living for him. And it's okay. You know, if you're five years old, you probably get saved because you don't want to go to hell. And that's okay. I probably said the prayer because I didn't want to end up in hell. But I want to tell you, as I matured and grew in the Lord, I realized, wait a second, heaven's a long way away. But right now, God has called us to a mission. He is empowering us for a mission. And the angel said he had the strength Then if Gideon had the strength, that strength was simply in this one thing. Are you ready? Are you ready? Gideon's strength, are you ready? Gideon's strength was in one thing. Are you ready? It's very deep and profound. I'm not sure. You may have to go do a strong concordance to study the Greek on this. Okay, are you ready? I'm being facetious. Gideon's strength was in his yes to the Lord. I don't have any gifts. I'm afraid when I get in front of people, I don't like talking in front of people. I'm not a warrior. I'm, I'm fearful right now. I'm, I'm hiding grain. I'm threshing grain in a, in a, in a wine press because I don't want the enemy to find it. I'm the least of my clan. I'm the youngest. And that means nobody, none of my older brothers are going to listen to me anyway. And God said, you're perfect. Give me your yes. And you're going to see some serious stuff. Some of you guys just waiting for your Yes. Let me, let me rephrase that. He's waiting for your unqualified. Yes. I know how some cheeky monkeys think it's like, well, God, yes. When I turn 30, God, it's a yes. When I get out of debt, God, it'll be a yes. When I finally get done with this boyfriend or girlfriend or God, yes. When I can finally get things straight or God, yes. When I finally get my life straight or God, yes. What do you see what I'm saying? That's a, that's a qualified. Yes. God is looking for your unqualified. Yes. God, I will abandon all. I will cut it off. Now I will say yes, Lord. And when you say yes to him, when you give him your unqualified yes that positions you for something powerful in your life are you hearing me this morning 
Okay, I'm going to get to my sermon here in a minute. Some of you think I'm joking. I wasn't. No, I'm kind of there. But I want you to notice, too, the connection between delivering from evil and being sent. If you have a call, I want to tell you you're being sent. And there's a direct connection to that in delivering people from evil. The very mission of Jesus, 1 John 3, 8, Jesus came to destroy the works of Satan. If you want to talk about why Jesus came, that would be a pretty good verse to start with. And it would also give us a little clarity when we're looking at the Great Commission where Jesus said, go, baptize, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which I believe are three baptisms. I don't have time to get into that. I don't believe that was an incantation that we were supposed to say as we were dipping people in the water. Unfortunately, that's what it's become. But Jesus intended for there to be baptisms of the Father and Him and the Holy Spirit and teach them everything I have commanded you. And lo, here we go, Gideon, I will be with you always. Always. We have a mission. Deliver Israel from the power of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? This could be the exact same thing God is saying to the church in America. How about this? Let's just, let's just, let's just fast forward this story about 2,600 years here, right? Lord, why is there calamity in America? Where are all the miraculous deeds of the past that our grandfathers and mothers have told? Where's the Azusa streets, God? Deliver America from the power of Satan. Have I not sent you, church? Have I not sent you? When we can be confident in our faith, when we know it is God who has sent us, And the oppression in a culture seems to be directly related to the amount that the culture has turned its back on God. Which is interesting because our very first thought I want you to see here is in verse 25 and 27, the Lord came back again to Gideon and he said, okay, Gideon, here's your instructions. You're going to defeat the Midianites, but you're not ready for the Midianites yet. I want you to do something else. I want you to go throughout this land, your, your family, your, your territory, the Israelites here, and I need you to destroy every Baal altar and a Sherapul that is existing in Israel. Wait, 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 wait a second. Israel had altars of Baal? Yeah. They had compromised. Remember the angel, the word against the uh, Israel is like, you've compromised. You've been worshiping other gods. Other things have become more important. And now uh, Asherah was like a, a Canaanite fertility god. So they had adopted the gods. Are y'all out here today? They adopted the gods of the local community. And they had gods, many cases set up right beside altars to Yahweh. Y'all remember the first commandment? No other gods before me. Israel had broken and violated the number one commandment. They had other interests. They had other things, other gods they were serving. And they were baffled as to why they had been oppressed. And they were baffled as to why it seemed like God had abandoned them. The reason was they had allowed sin to come in. They began worshiping money. They began worshiping fame. They began worshiping position. They began worshiping false gods. Because their hearts were not turned fully to God. So God, 
I told Raekwon that he inspired this to this this week. I got Raekwon to get a trumpet and I took a silhouette. Come on. I couldn't help but thinking about you this week. <laughs> feel like God's got you. You got a trumpet in your hand. You're about ready to blow it. About ready to blow it. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. So Baal, or the, the Baal altars, the Asherah poles had to come down. So the Lord said, go to your father's pen, take, take an animal, sacrifice it to me, and then I want you to go lay waste. So Gideon, like busy, I don't know, he maybe had a horse, I don't know, he didn't have a scooter, but he got around pretty quickly that night. And he went everywhere, there was a Baal altar, he destroyed it. Everywhere is a sheriff pole, cut it down. And immediately the next morning, they all awake. And they act like the Grinch had stolen their Christmas. Where's our Baal altar? These are people of God, right? Right? I mean, you'd think you'd like change the color of the carpet in the sanctuary or something on them. They were like, oh, no, what happened? How could you do that? And they complained and they got angry. Somebody has torn down our altars to Baal and our Asherah pole, which sounds so bizarre coming out of a people who believe in the one true God and were commanded to serve him and who were in slavery. And Jesus set them free. Moses led them out. God delivered them time and time again. They saw the water of the Red Sea open. They saw manna fall from heaven. God gave them quail when they were hungry in the desert. Miracle after miracle after miracle. And it seems bizarre for the very same people to be standing here today this morning as Gideon had done his work the night before and they were angry they tore our Baal altars down who did this I love I think it's verse 28 29 somewhere in there it's like we shall conduct a full investigation sounds like religion then we're going to conduct a full investigation and we're going to see who's responsible for this why don't you conduct a full investigation to see why you had bail altars in the sheriff poles in the first place? And we're conducting a full investigation. And not surprisingly, it led to one person. Gideon. And so they went and beat at his father's door. Where's Gideon? Bring him out here so we can kill him. He tore down our... It's like the demons talking out of him, right? They're gonna, he tore down our altars and poles. And Gideon's dad said something pretty smart. He said, well, does Baal need someone to fight for him? If he's God and he's powerful, then let him take care of it. You're right. You're right. Okay. Well, 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 yeah, well, let Baal do it then. Good choice. This is what I want you to see this morning. The task ahead may look large and you're ready to dive in on and do what God has called you to do. But oftentimes the starting place is personal. Sometimes it's in your own household. Sometimes it's in your own heart. Sometimes, as someone said this morning, getting rid of the stinking thinking that exists inside of our mind. Sometimes it's getting rid of faithless conditions that we have in our heart where we ourselves are wondering, why isn't God doing Right? So rarefied faith will start where God says to start. 
Rarefied faith puts everything on the table. Rarefied faith says, God, if you speak to me about this, it's going to go. God, if you tell me to cut something off, it's getting cut off. God, if you tell me to unfriend or get rid of somebody out of my contact list, I'm going to do it. You tell me not to hang around somebody, break up with somebody, whatever it is, fill in the blank. God, I'm going to do it because I want to tell you something. If we want to have great faith and be used by the power of the Holy Spirit, we have to be willing to start where God tells us to start. Yes, Gideon had been called to defeat the Midianites, but that's not where he started. He had to clean up his household. Y'all with me this morning? You may have your eyes on something else that you're facing, and God may be pointing at something in your home saying, hey, start there. He may be pointing in your refrigerator and say, how about that? How about that little baggie on your couch? How about that? Right? How about start there? Right? You, you want to serve the Lord? The Bible says be sober, but you haven't struggled. Come on. How about start? We got to clean up our home. We got to clean up our personal lives because that's where God wants us to start. If we're going to have great faith and be used to do great things, we've got to start right with our own home, our own household. Sometimes before you can take on the enemy from without, you got to tackle the enemy within. Israel was in a backslidden condition and had a lot to do with what had been going wrong for them. Notice one tragic feature of a backslidden and an unrevived church is questioning if God is really there. That just really sticks in my heart as I read this passage. They were wanting God's help. They were wondering where God was at. Why has God left us? And I guess it didn't occur to them. Maybe it's because there was a mixture in their life. They, they were serving alt false gods. They were, they were living in sin and then still trying to worship God at the same time. And they had this illusion that that was going to really be okay with God. And that sounds super ridiculous, I know, to hear that on our ear, but let's just think about the church world today. There are people, come on, they, they, I'm not trying to throw shade, I'm not trying to th- get you to think of somebody specifically, but I think, you know, common sense would tell us we've, we've come up against this. Unfortunately, social media exposes people's stupidity even more so. Hello, some of you are afraid to say amen there, but you wanted to. I mean, if you're going to do, if you're, you can serve God, uh, you know, if you're going to do stupid stuff, don't put it on Facebook. Like a fool in his folly or soon, you know, exposed or something. I'm pretty sure that's in the Bible. <clears throat> and my point is with, if we find ourselves asking any form of that question, wisdom says that maybe we turn it around on ourselves. Instead of saying, where God, where have you been? Maybe we need to ask that of ourselves. Where have we been? Have we been completely sold out to God? I mean, it should occur to us that sometimes the reason that we're not pleased with the results in our life is because God is not pleased with the results in our lives. The great evangelist Steve Hill used to say, if you wonder why you're not happy, it might be because God's not happy. Great thought. I want to tell you something, friends. Revival is not a word we say. Hear me. It's a price we pay. We talk about revival a lot at this church, and rightfully so, but I want to tell you, it's not a word we say. You all know this. It's not special services. It's not a banner on the outside. Spring revival. No, 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 no. Revival is not a word we say. It is a price that we pay. If we want revival, we have to pay the price, and it always starts with what? Surprise. Repentance, right? 
If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will. It starts with repentance. There is a price to pay for revival. Revival will tarry the longer we withstand repentance, the longer we put off making things right, the longer we let's listen to me, the longer we hold off making that phone call that we know we need to make, the longer we hold off sending that letter that we need to send, talking to that person, forgiving that person that we need to forgive, giving somebody love that we have just been, oh, we've turned our back on. I want the longer we put that off, the longer revival will tarry because God always calls his people to a place of repentance before he pours out the victory of revival. That's a really good point right there. I'm not patting myself on the back, but come on. Remember at the beginning of the story, the angel of the Lord said, Gideon, the Lord is with you. And Gideon's reply, well, if the Lord is with us, how about all this calamity? Of course, we see the result. Really, the angel didn't answer him, but we hear he kind of gave the answer. Your disobedience has caused your calamity. Israel was living in open, unrepentant sin. They built the altars of Asherah, Canaanite, all that garbage. Jesus makes it clear. I threw this verse in here because I like to bring in some New Testament connection when we talk Old Testament. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters for he will hate the one and love the other or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You can't serve two masters. You see it in the Old Testament. You see it here in the New Testament, the very words of Jesus Christ. See, what may be hindering your victory in general is something that needs to be defeated on a personal level. Are you tracking with me today? I say this because I, I, I want to see everyone in here come to great victory. I want to see you achieve. You, you hear me? I want every one of you to achieve great victory. I want this church, the people that attend here, that'll be, you'll be known for the victories that you walk in and the things that you overcome and the power that you walk in. And I want to tell you, that's what I see for this body. That's what I see for this church and those watching online that aren't able to be here today. I want to tell you, that is what I see for this body. But I want to tell you, what might be hindering your victory in general is probably something that needs to be defeated on a personal level. Because victory in the private realm will always segue to victory in the public realm. Next thought, I want you to look at verse 34. I love this. So it all, again, we're moving along in the story here. Let's look at verse 33. Now the Midianites, Amalekites, and the people of the east came together and they crossed the Jordan and they camped in the valley of Jezreel. In other words, they were now in Israel. They were about ready to attack. So everybody kind of forgot about Gideon because they had a lot bigger problems now. They were about to be crushed like flies. But look at verse 34. Remember, the Lord said, I'll be with you, Gideon. Watch what happens. But the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. And then he sounded the trumpet. Notice the order here. Sounding the trumpet for Gideon was assembling his army. If you've ever seen, you know, movies where they have clans, like maybe Braveheart, they have clans like McCullough, McCullough, right? That the clan. And so Gideon was summonsing his clan and he blew the trumpet. And that sound of the trumpet was a signal to his clan. We're about to go to war. But he didn't do that. Until the Bible says he was clothed. That word in the Hebrew literally means the Holy Spirit put him on. Like, I put on this jacket today, like you put on your shirt today. 
Could you imagine the Holy Spirit of God putting you on a glove? Right? I watched a silly little movie with my granddaughter, Ratatouille, last night, right? And a little, it's a little rat that cooks, and he, he guides the guy. The guy can't cook a, a burnt grilled cheese sandwich, right? But he's got the rat. <laughs> he's like a master chef, right? It's like something else is controlling him. The Bible says Gideon was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, for those of you that like to see New Testament foreshadowing in the Old Testament, here you go. This is exactly why the Holy Spirit was given to us on the day of Pentecost. Because God intended, I, I, I don't think anyone's hearing me today, God intends you to be a Gideon. When you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, He is putting you on. Do you understand? Well, then how come I don't feel any different? Well, what have you attempted for God? Well, I've been afraid. We had flurries out today, and I couldn't come to church. And I, there was too much rain Wednesday, and, I, and it was windy. And, and, you know what I'm saying? We, we, we don't take faith risks. Somebody else said that today. I don't remember. It was great. Everything that was being sung and said this morning was like, wow, this is setting up everything God wants to do today. Without faith risks, Understand that is why the Holy Spirit came to empower us to act. Now, see, I know in Pentecostal circles, we think the Holy Spirit comes so we can feel goosebumps, so we can fall down. And I, and I like all of that. In fact, I, I, like, I like all the crazy stuff, to be honest with you. I don't talk about it because some of y'all look at me like, I don't know. You thought gold dust was okay. I've seen it all. I've seen it all. Right. I don't talk about it. And if I see it, I I also don't say anything to the people, you know, but I want to tell you the bottom line is God wants to empower you so you can accomplish great things for him. This is why the Holy Spirit came. And what we see in Judges 634 is foreshadowing of the New Testament. Jesus his end game, we've said this before, wasn't just to die on a cross and rise again. That was certainly part of it. But the end game caused him to stick around another 40 days saying, don't leave Jerusalem until you are baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit because he will make all the difference in your life. You will have power and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit's on you and you will be my witnesses in Judea, Jerusalem, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. This is the importance of Pentecost. Churches that don't preach Pentecost friends are giving you a crippled gospel. I just made all kinds of enemies, maybe online, but I'm just, I'm I'm about to tell the truth. Any gospel that doesn't include the baptism in the Holy spirit is a crippled gospel. There is no way on the planet. And I've been, I spent the last two years going deeper in the new Testament. There is no way you can read the new Testament and not see that as the main theme. God wants to get his Holy spirit inside of you so you can accomplish great things for him. So we can expand the kingdom of God. So here's the thing. Here's the second thing I want you to see. Rarefied faith will always yield to the Holy spirit. Rarefied faith will always yield to the Holy Spirit. In fact, this whole story, if you want to talk about parallel, it parallels the New Testament revelation. People had to repent, had to get rid of their sin. They had to yield to the Holy Spirit. They were empowered. And then they went in one victory after victory, won a big victory, in fact. It, it, it's a parallel of New Testament salvation, right? 
We surrender to Jesus. We repent of our sins. He washes away our sins. He cleanses. He empowers us. And he gives us power to win battles. Notice it was by the power of the Holy Spirit that prompted him to call forth his army by blowing his trumpet. I believe the biggest mistake we can make in trying to fight any enemy is is trying to fight without the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to introduce some urgency to someone in this place today. If you have not received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, I don't care how old you are. I don't care how long you've sought it. I don't care how many years you said, I tried and I never received. I want to encourage you, never give up. Seek it until you receive Him. Hear me? Seek Him until you receive Him. He wants to fill you. Jesus wants to baptize you in the Holy Spirit more than you may want to. But I want to tell you, the more you seek, the deeper deeper you dig your well, the hungrier you get for His presence because you absolutely need that it doesn't mean you're going to go fight the Midianites but it'll give you power to walk this world in white in a sin sick perverted world you'll be able to walk through the flames without getting burned you'll be able to walk through hell without getting the stench on you you'll be able to walk in the robe of white that Jesus has put on you and you'll be able to live without caving into sin or caving into godless philosophies that dominate our age today we need him we need him more than ever. Being a child of the 70s, I grew up hearing a great healing evangelist. Her name was Catherine Kuhlman. Anybody remember Catherine Kuhlman? Redhead lady. Powerful anointing of the Lord. Healing evangelist. How many, anyone in here ever see Catherine Kuhlman? Sharon, I, know, I think we talked about that. Sharon was very little when she saw Catherine. About two years old. <laughs> Power. I, thought, I think she came to Hare Arena in Dayton, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. The, well, some of you look at Hare Arena that used to exist in Trotwood now. Sadly, unfortunately, a lot of memories went down with that building. I was like, oh, I'm sad to see that go, man. Catherine Coleman was noted for her powerful relationship with the Holy Spirit. She would say, I can't do anything without him. In fact, she was like Benny Hinn's mentor. And, and she wore a flowing white dress whenever she had preached. You ever, ever seen Benny Hinn? You wonder where he, why he wears white suits? He got influenced by Catherine Coleman. And Catherine Coleman, one time, she said something that just, when I was a kid, this gripped me. I was like, whoa. And it grips me today. But she said, please don't grieve the Holy Spirit. He's all I have. Thousands of people come to hear this lady preach. She heals the sick. Powerful miracles are happening. And in the middle of of preaching, she senses that people are, are, are beginning to doubt. They're beginning to, you know, whatever. And she just, she says, stop, stop, stop. Please don't grieve the Holy Spirit. He's all I have. What would change in the American church if every preacher behind the pulpit would say, hey, forget our chandeliers, forget our special lights, forget our building. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. He's all I have. Forget my preaching inability or ability. Forget the band. Forget all of that. Just whatever you do, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. What might change? 
Leonard Ravenhill that said 99% of what the church did in the book of Acts could only be accomplished by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you took the Holy Spirit away from the, from the early church, 98, 99% of what they did would not be able to be accomplished. Fast forward today in America, if you take away the Holy Spirit, they would still be able to do 99% of what they do. It's all programs, man-made strategies, meant to make people feel better about themselves at the end of the day, but that leaves them asking, where is the God of Elijah? Where is the God of William Seymour? Where is the God of Catherine Coleman, William Brand, and some of the other great revivalists you've heard me talk about the past few weeks in this series? Where's their God? I want what they have. That's what I want. But here's the thing, friends. We've got to be people that will yield and always stay yielded to the Holy Spirit. That's so important. Gideon had to make a decision. His yes to the Lord, that I talked about a minute ago, was a decision to yield himself to God. Because you know he didn't feel like he was worthy. And, and see, unfortunately, God didn't even tell him the plan. He's like, well, actually, this is just between you and me, Gideon. Don't tell God I told you this but you won't even have to fight. Right? The angel could have told him that. That would have been a nice, helpful piece of information. Gideon, I know you don't feel like a warrior because you're not. Um, I know you think you're weak because you are. Um, but here, don't tell the big guy I'm telling you this, but uh, you're not even going to have to lift a sword. This is going to be so easy. But he didn't. He didn't. See, we want God to give us the end. Because God knows the end. But see, that would defeat the purpose. Because how are we going to get miracles pulled from heaven down to here if we don't have the faith? And faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If we know about it, it doesn't take much faith. And faith is the currency of heaven. Yield yourself fully to the Holy Spirit, and the Lord will do exploits through you. Do you hear me today? The Holy Spirit naturally, if I could say that, he naturally boosts our faith. Pentecost is what offers rarefied faith. This may be something we don't emphasize enough when we talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit, but when we are filled with the Spirit of God, he empowers us with faith. And if we feel like we lack faith or we want to grow in faith, faith to move mountains, you know, one cure for sure is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I'm going to jump ahead here. I love this part of the story in chapter 7. It continues, right? Like I said, it's a a two-chapter story. It's a great story. So Gideon got his men. You guys all know this part. I'm I'm skipping familiar parts because they're familiar parts, okay? Right? He had like 30,000 men. God said, you have too many, right? They went to the water fountain. (laughs) See see how they drink, and if they don't drink correctly, then... All right, bottom line, he gets down to 300 men. So Gideon and his 300 men, and by this time, they're like, Gideon, are you sure? Because they come, oh, they look over this valley, and there's, you know, you've seen like these scenes perhaps in movies. There are tents everywhere, and there are little fires everywhere. It's like, that's the invading army. Gideon, are you sure that we're supposed to fight them? Yeah, I'm positive. So Gideon was laid up in his tent, and the Lord came to him again, and he encouraged him in chapter 7. He said, Gideon, in case you're still afraid, in case me showing up and demonstrating who I am to you wasn't enough, 
He said, I want you to sneak down to that tent right down there and listen to what they're saying about you. So Gideon, being the cheeky monkey that he was, okay, sneaks out of his tent. He goes down the hill. He puts his ear to the tent. And these two Midianites are talking. Yeah, dude, I had a dream last night. This is the two Midianite guys talking. Had his dream. I saw this like barley, (laughs) a barley loaf thing rolling down a hill. Barley was like the cheapest, nastiest grain you could use to make bread. But people ate it. But it was like the lowest level. Gideon felt like he was. And this barley loaf rolled down the hill and plowed our entire army over. What do you think of that? Another dude poked his head out of the sleeping bag and says, it means the Lord. It's a, you know, people, we, 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 it's, it's shocking that the, the people that God uses to speak for him. I mean, but remember, God spoke through a donkey, right? So it's like nothing should surprise us. If God can speak through a donkey, nothing, nothing else should surprise us past that. The other guy poked his head out of the ba- his sleeping bag and said, that's what I thought. The Lord is with Gideon. The Lord has turned off my microphone. No, it was me. I got excited. Push the button. I'll turn it this way so I don't let that happen again. <laughs> First world pastor problems, right? <laughs> he said the Lord is with Gideon and he's going to give Gideon the entire Midianite army. And it's shocking because you look at what he said and you look back a chapter and that's what the angel of the Lord told Gideon over and over and over. Gideon, I'm with you. I'm going to give you the Midianite army. They're going to fall before you. And he sneaks down to the enemy's tent and the enemy is repeating what God said. Now that should fire you up, Gideon. But this is what I want you to see here in this, this point. Rarefied faith will feed on the Word of God. Let me hear it again. You're with me? Okay. The Bible tells us, friends, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. One of the most intelligent things we can do is listen to preaching, listen to sermon, listen to the proclaimed Word of God, because that Word is rhema. It's spoken word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the rhema Word of God. When we are hearing the Word of God spoken, when we are receiving the power, we need to inundate ourselves with it. Because I want to tell you, before we can operate in rarefied faith, we are going to have to be empowered by the living Word of God. And as you feed on the living Word of God, you will have power to overcome some of you this morning live in doubt you live in despair you live in fear why because you haven't been feeding on the word of god when is the last time you opened your bible and read when is the last time you obeyed what you read in the word of god when is the last time you took a journey through the book of john or the book of ephesians when is the last time you fed yourself and then you wonder why i'm in despair wonder why i'm depressed wonder why i'm battling things it's because you need to feed my friend on the word of god People haven't been to church in six months, eight months, wonder why they're having such trouble. It's baffling to me, just like similarly to the first part of chapter six. It's we sit and hear that and say, how can they not see that? The enemy's enemy's a tricky liar. 
rarefied faith will feed on the word of God. Verse 9. I'm handing the enemy over to you, Gideon. The Midianite soldier said, God is handing us over to Gideon. Simply reinforce God's message to him. Reminds me of the powerful word in Romans 8, 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? Here's my question. Why entertain any voice that doesn't build your faith? See, the reason why a lot of people are bored in church, they sit there with disagreement on their face, they sit there and think, what about that? It's because you've been filling your head with voices that are going opposite to what the Holy Spirit. Of course, it feels odd when you come in. When you come into the house of God, when you come under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, it it counters everything you've been hearing. It it counters everything that's been going on in your life because you filled your mind with the music of the world. You filled your mind with the movies of the world. You filled your mind with stuff that defeats your faith. And you wonder why. Please don't be like so many people. They get serious about God when they go to the doctor and say, I'm sorry, you have stage four cancer. It's like, I better, I better get right now. Thank God you can, you, thank God you have that option, but don't let it ever come to that. Don't let things drift so far from God that it's like, you know, only in a crisis am I going to call out to God, prove that he is true. He is good now. I want to tell you, let your knee bow before the Lord today. Let your tongue confess that he is Lord now. Feed on what he tells you. Feed on his word. It'll change your life, my friends. See, this is not just printing on a page. This is not printing on a page. His word is life. Do you hear me? It's life. The preached word of God, it's life. The prophetic word of God, it's life. You have a sinner giving Gideon the word of the Lord. That blows to people's theology right there. God will speak through people like that to wake people up. to say, hey, God, he's telling me what God's been telling me. Yeah. God don't have to play by your rules. Why entertain a voice that doesn't build our faith? Why should apply that? And we should apply that to everything we let in our ears. If it's not building my faith, if it's not confirming what God has said about me, why am I wasting my time listening to it? Because it's not helping me accomplish the end goal. And that is to walk in rarefied faith and to be the man and the woman of God that God has called me to be. I want to tell you this morning, he is raising up people that will start where he says start. He is raising up people today that will yield to the Holy Spirit. And he's raising up people today. Are you hearing me? Totally sold out to the Lord. Totally sold out to Him. Lift your hands to the Lord. Lift your hands to the Lord. Come on, He's raising up a people that are going to feed on His Word. In the name of Jesus, stand to your feet this morning. Come on, hallelujah. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. This message and other resources are available at DestinyDayton.com.